Welcome to the PB&J podcast. This will not be televised. Whether you agree with us or not, we invite you to be curious, become empowered, conduct your own research, and gain personal confidence with the goal of improving your overall health and wellness. For health topics and questions, we encourage everyone to consult their physician to discuss the best care and treatments for their personal situation. So welcome everybody to today's podcast. This is Jay. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, overweight and, and uh, gaining weight and all that jazz. So if not fitting into your favorite clothes, avoiding mirrors, owning 10 favorite pairs of sweatpants, and fearing that your doctor will comment on your weight at your next medical exam, maybe some of the reasons you decided to lose weight as part of your New Year's resolutions. Um, it's not a bad way to go. The COVID pandemic hasn't helped with everyone reportedly gaining weight from having been sequestered at home and being more sedentary is also uh, pretty rampant. In fact, uh, I've talked to people at work who have said that to me. And as I've stepped on the scale, I've noticed it myself. So here are some things to consider if you are wanting to lose weight and you need some incentives. The Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health states that being overweight causes or is closely linked with many health conditions, including heart disease, stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure, asthma, sleep apnea, gallstones, kidney stones, and numerous types of cancer, for example, leukemia, breast cancer, and colon cancer. So if you are an older adult, more health conditions can lead to more doctor and hospital visits which also leads to more health costs to meet insurance deductibles and co-payments. So who wants to spend more money because of doctor visits, tests, and prescription medicine? I would venture to say nobody. I would venture to say that people would rather spend their money on jewelry or a vacation or something else. So being overweight can also be the source of discrimination, a lower quality of life, constantly being judged or criticized by others, and potentially lead to anxiety or depression. So obesity's health-related negative impacts are also different for different people. Not everybody is the same, which uh, you will also hear uh, when Pam talks about um, physical activity and exercising. CDC's 2019 article, it's called Racial and Ethnic Disparities in Adult Obesity in the United States, CDC's Tracking to Inform State and Local Action, that article talks about some interesting things. So they published a detailed state and territorial map that combines three years of data that illustrate the prevalence of obesity uh, by race and ethnicity based on self-reported data. So that's data that's been collected uh, by, not by uh, scientists and not by data collectors, but people uh, submitting information. So the report indicates that based on demographics, Obesity's negative effects are disproportionately burdensome for particular populations. And if you look at a map of United States and the rate of obesity across the United States, you'll see that uh, different states have different rates. Um, historically, those have been Southern states. So combined data for 2015 through 2017 allowed for an assessment by major racial ethnic categories and found that non-Hispanic Black adults had the highest prevalence of obesity of 38.4% overall, followed by Hispanic adults at 32.6%, and 
and non-Hispanic white adults at 28.6%. To identify the areas of highest burden, the CDC used a cut point of 35% because it was somewhat natural uh, of a breaking point in the data, and it roughly reflected areas with the highest burden. So overall, 31 states and the District of Columbia had an obesity prevalence of 35% or higher among non-Hispanic Black adults. Eight states had an obesity prevalence of 35% or higher among Hispanic adults. And only one state had an obesity prevalence of 35% or higher among non-Hispanic white adults. So why should we give so much oxygen to talking about being overweight? So if you're like most people, and I'm included in that, and I think Pam is too, yes. you want to live as long as possible, right? Absolutely. No one wants to die young, right? You want to, you want to stay kicking for a long time. Stick so around if, a while. <laughs> exactly. So if living as long as possible is your goal, then you want to be healthy. You don't want to live until you're 100, but be bedridden. You don't want to be in a nursing home, but live until you're 100. And so you want to thrive as well as survive. So um, September 2020 WebMD article revealed some interesting information that may also give you some incentive to lose weight. A team of Canadian and Iranian researchers conducted an extensive review of 72 studies, 72 is quite a few, by the way, involving more than 2.5 million patients from all over the globe. So not just in the U.S., but worldwide. The studies that they looked at were conducted between 1999 and 2019 by researchers in the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, Brazil, India, Indonesia, Japan, China, Korea, Iran, and Tobago. I hope I said that right. It might be Tobago. Uh, Tobago, Tobago. That's a <laughs> tomato, that's tomato. A, you know, Jay, that's a, that's a large uh, group, a huge group. It I've is. Never seen, I've never seen a, a study done on that large of a group. Yeah, it was, when you talk about 2.5 million people, that's, that's a pretty big sample size. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And for such a long period of time. Right. So, and another thing, uh, Pam, the studies reviewed, um, they all involved adults 18 and older mm. uh, with patients tracked over a span of three to 24 years. So when you're talking about older adults, based on my research and the articles that I read, they start with people who are 65 years and older. And you're like, well, geez, Louise, you know, 65 years and older, uh, how long are they going to live anyway? So, right. right. <laughs> and what, exactly. what are their health problems do they already have? So, you know, using a sample of, of people 18 and older, at least they're starting a little younger. Uh, so it it's a, uh, seems to me, what do I know? But seems to be a, a pretty better, a much better sample size. Mm-hmm. So this Canadian and Iranian team found that excess fat in the abdomen and they call that central fatness or belly fat is associated with a higher risk of death than overall body fat. So even if the other areas of the body are in good shape, the accumulation of fat in the belly region increases the risk of an early death. So when the team reviewed data, they looked at a minimum of three different ways of assessing body fat. And so they they looked at waist, hip and thigh circumference, waist to hip to height, and waist to hip to thigh ratios, body fat index, and body shape index. Mm. 
So they, they use a, a quite a, a few different ways to look at body fat. But the conclusion was that excess belly fat was directly associated with a higher risk for early death. In fact, for every approximate four inches of additional waist circumference, early death risk rose by 11%. So in connecting the dots, belly fat is stored around the or- organs in the abdomen, right? Mm-hmm. That's where all your main, your main things are, your main right. organs. And that, don't they, uh, they, they also call that visceral fat. I believe they do. I believe yeah, they or, do. Or subcutaneous. Yes. Well, I think the subcutaneous is a deeper, deeper fat, but I think it's called visceral fat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, no matter what they call it, mm-hmm. um, it's just bad to have around your belly. Right. Right. <laughs> so. right. Exactly. That's so. It. We, we all know the feeling. Let's put it that yes. way. Yes. Yes. I, 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 I resemble that uh, <laughs> feeling. <laughs> So especially with the COVID crisis um, has made me a lot more sedentary than I should be. So this, this group of, uh, this group of uh, scientists or doctors, I think they were doctors. They found that the excess fat is linked to high cholesterol, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, and stroke risk. All those things don't, uh, don't make you live longer. Mm. Right. If you want to live longer, you want to avoid all of those things. Right. So what was interesting with this study, though, and I thought this was so interesting. The study showed that hip size and thigh size were linked to a lower risk of death. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> who knew? Right. Um, okay. For every two inch increase in your thigh circumference, there was an 18 percent drop in early death risk. And the rationale that they used was that your thigh indicates the amount of muscle that you have versus the amount of fat that you have because your thighs are more muscular relative to your your belly circumference. So the bottom line is if you wanna live longer, get rid of your belly fat, be active, start shaking off those pounds, uh, start eating better, and, and stay out of the doctor's office and extend your expiration date. <laughs> so Pam's now going to talk about the differences between being active and exercising. Take it yeah. away, Pam. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. Oh, my goodness. There, that's so much information. Thank you so much. And that, that increase in, in thigh size uh, to, to drop your mortality rate just amazed me. So this is a, a good time for me to kind of punch in and talk about physical activity. Um, and so I'm just going to give you some, some information and some insight into to activate motion and energy for better health. You know, most people confuse physical activity with exercise. However, there is a difference uh, between physical activity and exercise. Now, I'm going to go to the science to give a definition because it's, it's readily available. Penn State University um, has said that physical activity is move, movement of the body that requires the work of your skeletal muscles. Now, they, your muscles must have that energy in order to move the body. So any movement of the body requiring energy is considered physical activity. Now, when I say any movement of the body, that could be 
you know, washing the car or scrubbing your floors or cleaning your bathroom or vacuuming. Any of those are considered physical activity. Taking a walk is a physical activity. Even getting up, you know, there's a thing with, you know, if, if you're sedentary at your computer for more than an hour or an hour, you should get up and move because of the fact that everything is at rest and nothing's in circulation. So the physical activity is, is so very, very important. Now, on the other hand, exercise is considered as something planned or structured. And its main goal of exercise is to increase physical fitness. So our focus today is not gonna be on the physical fitness, however you'll get there along the way, but it's on being physically active and moving in order to get better health. So there was a recent paper uh, from, the Harp, from Harvard that provided the first revolutionary explanation of why the lack of physical activity as, as humans age increases disease risk and reduces longevity. You know, in the past, um, so, and Janine has touched on some of those things like Alzheimer's and, and strokes and cancer. Um, but in the past, you know, there wasn't, there was so much that was done as far as physical activity for survival. You know, there were hunter gatherers who averaged about 135 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity on it every day to survive. And this is approximately six to 10 times more than the average American. And they also lived about seven decades just by doing daily exercise, daily tasks, not exercise, but daily tasks for survival. Now, according to the research, um, there's, you know, of course, from physical activity, you can get you know, less storage of excess of fats, you know, better allocation of energy to repair and provide maintenance, including the tears in the muscle fibers and, and cartilage damage, and even healing microfractures. You'll have better allocation of energy um, to, to, so that you have lower risk of obesity and diabetes and cancer and osteoporosis, as we talked about Alzheimer's and, and as Janine mentioned, depression. The key takeaway is basically is that as the body ages, physical activity is needed to age well. So I'm going to go back to the hunter-gatherers. Uh, Dr. Kim Hill, an anthropologist at, at University of Arizona, spent about 30 years studying hunter-gatherers of Paraguay and foragers of South excuse me, southwestern Venezuela. According to Dr. Hill, the hunter-gatherers of this region, they went out between seven to nine hours every day uh, just to hunt, and they would cover about six miles of rough terrain. That meant climbing over fallen trees and moving through bushes and vines just to go hunting. And once they found the game, they would run another one mile in pursuit of the prey, or what they called run with the hunt, which could last anywhere, you know, could be an hour before they even captured the prey. And on days that it rained, you know, they spent time at home making tools. So they were constantly in motion. And yes, hunter-gatherers were physically fit, just as world-class athletes because of their consistent and continuous running and climbing and jumping and leaping and crawling. I can only imagine. 
However, you don't need to be as active as a hunter-gatherer just to experience the benefits of physical activity. You know, according to Harvard, even small amounts of physical activity, just 10 to 20 minutes a day, can substantially lower your risk of mortality. So like we were talking about, I mean, vacuuming, cleaning the house, taking a walk, you know, parking your car, this is a good one, you know, it's playing tricks on your mind as you, you know, park your car a little farther away from the store. And then, you know, uh, just to get that more physical activity into your, your daily activity. So our listeners are probably wondering why some people are able to maintain their weight with little or no physical activity. But here's the thing, you know, we all were created from this infinite wisdom of God, the universe, or, or whatever you call your, your source of existence. Um, as such, we are all uniquely, uniquely different, and therefore our fitness results will also be different even if we're eating the same healthy foods and doing the same physical activity or exercise. And to better understand why, we need to go back to freshman high school biology class. And I, you know, I'm gonna take you back, but honestly, I don't even remember much about high school volleys except I digest dissecting a frog, and which and the smell of formaldehyde just made me sick. Uh, but so here's a quick refresh: inside of our brain and our body, there are dozens of clocks that control every organ and system. You know, these clocks have alarms that tell us when to eat when to sleep, when to think, when to move, when to rest, and when to ingest food. You know, more importantly, they are considered your, what they call your chronotype. And your chronotype is actually reflects who you are as a person, how your mind works, your ambitions, and your lifestyle choices. That includes diet and exercise. In a recent study with over a thousand patients, or participants, uh, Dr. Michael Bruce, who the, who's called better known as the sleep doctor, and Stacy Griffin, who is the founder and senior master instructor at SoulCycle, got together together and converted the traditional chronotype classification to identify four chronotypes based on sleep patterns. There was a lion. Uh, a lion is an early riser; gets up early, goes after the prey. And then there's a wolf. They're more late risers. And the bear, uh, the bear is in between. And I'm a bear. I'm in between the early riser and the late riser. So I usually wake up somewhere between around 8.30, 9 o'clock. So that's kind of like my, my time. And then there's the dolphins. Um, and, and they're insomniacs. And they find it really difficult to sleep. The research that was conducted revealed that if you live according to your chronotype, you are in sync with the schedule that your body was born to follow. And this is what they call your chrono rhythm. You know, you've probably heard, Janine, uh, Jay, about the, uh, uh, you, you know, your circadian cycle. You know, this is like your circadian cycle. You know, how you have ebbs and flows throughout your day and, and so forth. And so to find your chronotype, take the free online quiz, at chronoquiz.com. That's C R C H R O N O Q U I Z.com. Also, um, if your daily 
schedule and lifestyle matches your chrono rhythm, which we talked about, um, your body will run more efficiently and energetically to speed your metabolic speed. Now, here it is. The metabolic speed actually relates to your body's uh, body type. And there are three main body types or shapes, as you want to call them, that relate to a human's metabolic speed. There's a curvy. Uh, these are, those are people that are heavy bottom and have a slower metabolism. And then there's the muscular and their hips and their shoulders are in proportion and they have a more medium uh, metabolism. And then you have the lanky, those who have long arms and long legs, and you can tell they have, you know, a very fast metabolism. So just because you may think that you're one of these body shapes or you are one of these body shapes doesn't mean that this is your natural born type. You know, we all change over time. Age, you know, there's a lot of factors that can be evolved, but age is kind of like the most prevalent. So, you know, unfortunately, most people are not satisfied with their body shape and or something that they really don't like about their body. So just work with what you got to get where you want to be. And I hope that means healthier. We are so grateful to share this news with all of our listeners. But Jay, it is time to end this episode. 